Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Welcome to City Church. You glad to be here? I'm so glad that you're here. Six of you are also. I'm so glad as well. Thanks so much. Hey, um, so my name is Drake. I'm a pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us today. Is anybody cold in the room this morning? Cool. That's good. Um, We never know. It's like back and forth. Penguins or in the surface of the sun in here. So, really glad you made it. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Teach Us to Pray. This is the one time that, that Jesus' closest followers asked him to teach them something. And we've been walking through this series together with a focus of not just learning how to pray, but what does it look like as a community, as a family, of becoming people of prayer. Uh, so if you're a first-time guest with us today, so glad that you're here. Listen, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, you are loved, you're safe, you're welcome here, and we simply want to meet you where you are, help you take some next steps, and so really glad that you're here. Um, and in addition, uh, really excited for some of the things that are coming up. The first thing is this. We are starting uh, um, a 24-7 prayer room in a few weeks. So on the way out today, you're going to get a card that looks like this. It's got a QR code that you can scan. If you don't have a phone that cooperates well with the QR code, it's also live today on our website and on our Instagram and so- social media posts, feeds, all, all those places. But in two weeks, we are starting a 24-7 prayer room. If you weren't here Two weeks ago, I, j- I had just got back from India and uh, got to share not only what God's doing with some of our partners around the world, but also cast some vision for this 24-7 prayer room. So as a church family, just to kind of get you caught up, we are committing to 168 hours of non-stop prayer. And what we're asking from you is that every single person at City Church would sign up for at least one one-hour one, one time slot during that week. And so it's all hours of the day, nonstop. You can sign up for at least one time slot all the way to, I've heard that the really awesome prayer times are like 2 a.m., so that's, that's rad. Um, you don't have to go alone. You can go with friends. We're also having all of our city groups that week. Instead of gathering like our normal groups do, all of our groups are going to go and pray together during their normal gathering time slot. That does not count as your one hour, just a heads up. I had someone ask me uh, earlier this week, one of, one of our uh, team members here at City Church, he's like, hey, so I've been coming to City Church for a while, and it seems like every time I'm there, there's different people in the room. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to Boulder, Colorado, right? Like, to where like one out of four Sundays is like a good church attender in Boulder, right? Because we got the mountains to play in, and every season's a new season for a new adventure. It's not like, cool, when fall gets here, things will settle down. They're like, no, we have some camping to get in, and then snowboarding shows up, and then building snowmen shows up, and then we got to do some more snowboarding to get it in before all the snow melts, and then summer play gets here again. It just never stops. It's a never-ending adventure. So heads up, within a given month when you come to City Church, one out of four Sundays, you're going to meet about a third of our church, okay? So there's about 150 people that call City Church home. If everyone that calls City Church home signs up for one slot, we get close. 
to 168 hours of nonstop prayer. So if you want to catch a little better vision around this, I don't have time to give it to you today. You can go back to our YouTube channel or podcast from two weeks ago when I talked about uh, um, the, the, the space of bringing heaven to earth and I cast a vision around that 24-7 prayer room. But again, it's on our website. You're going to get this card on the way out and I'll give you more info on that towards the end of this service. You guys tracking with me? Anybody intimidated by that space? An hour of prayer. And it, like an entire hour. Listen, it's going to be so awesome. We've got tools for you to help you make the most of it. It's not like sitting in a room quiet trying to figure out how to do it. But we talked about when we launched this series that the best way to learn to pray is by praying. That prayer is more practice than theory. That you and I can learn all about it. But all, if, if all you do is catch information about prayer through the series and don't actually pray, then it's really a waste of our time. And so I want to invite you into this, that in the journey of becoming people of prayer, this prayer room is launching for that very purpose and what God is going to do with it, and we believe is going to be incredible. Now, I also want to take a moment and celebrate last weekend was our Serve Sunday. Let's go. Put your hands together for that. It was incredible. So uh, we had over 50 volunteers show up at 9 a.m. extra early that day. We canceled our normal weekend gathering, and we poured over 150 man hours into the city around us through over 100 gift bags for local faculty and staff at, at an elementary school that we partner with down the street, a middle school down the street. We took a bunch of care packages to all of our local fire stations. We handed out 20 gallons of liquid gold downtown. That's cold brew in case you didn't know. 20 gallons of free cold brew coffee downtown. Uh, we had teams building baskets here and that took the entire time. We had teams dedicated to making everyone lunch, which was awesome. We had an incredible day of serving. We did a grounds cleanup at the local elementary school. I heard there was a bajillion weeds and they conquered all of them. That's what I heard. All the rebellious weeds have been eradicated, so that's good news. And then there was a lot of chalk graffiti that got eradicated as well over at Centennial Middle School. And again, City Church, the name City Church was birthed out of Matthew 5, where Jesus said, you are a city on a hill, a light that can't be hidden, and it's by your amazing weekend services that people will glorify God. That was a joke. Uh, that's not what Jesus said. It's by the really good communicator on a Sunday that people will know that Jesus is amazing and he loves them. No, it's by your good works. That's what Jesus said. He said, it's by your good works that people will glorify God. And so we don't want to just be a, a church that gathers on the weekends. We want to be a church empowered in the city around us, both individually and corporately. And last week, Serve Sunday, was a space where we get together and just put our money where our mouth is, if you will, both with our hands and our hearts. And it was an incredible day. So one more time, hands together for everyone that served last week. It was amazing. And how God used it is awesome as well. All right, today, Matthew chapter 6. This has been our core teaching text for the series. You guys have that? Matthew 6, thank you. Um, and uh, again, this is Jesus' response to his, his disciples, his apprentices, those following him. They, they, they watch Jesus pray. They're Jewish. They, they, they've been praying probably since they were little kids. They've been taught how to pray, but Jesus prays differently. And in this series, we've been talking about even the tension around prayer, depending on where you are on your spiritual journey. But here is Jesus in response to the question, hey, teach us to pray like you do. And here's what he says. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
or, or set apart or holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's pause here for a second. This has been the core t- text over the series. And each week, we're taking one line from this text and breaking it down. And so the invitation to pray from Jesus is as big as heaven coming to earth, taking the resources of heaven and distributing them to the earth, that the condition of heaven will be a reality over your heart, over your city, over your block, over the homes. I mean, that's the invitation from Jesus. It's as big as that, and maybe even overwhelming. If you were here two weeks ago, I got to talk about some of the incredible things that are happening in India, and and it kind of hinged on this heaven to earth reality of God answering those prayers, and it is kind of mind-bending, So if you didn't catch that message, I recommend you go back and and, and just catch a vision for what we're talking about. But then right up against, I don't want you to miss this, right up against the magnitude of this invitation from Jesus to pray heaven down to earth, Jesus then teaches us to pray for daily bread. It's It's like going from the magnitude of heaven to earth to the mundane of this afternoon's lunch. And I don't know about you, but it might feel a little strange, right? Like maybe even out of place when it comes to prayer. I don't know your relationship with prayer and the feelings that are conjured when we start talking about it, but, but this is what Jesus is after, for you and I to know the God who cares just as much about your heaven-to-earth prayers as he does your daily bread prayers. And if we, if, if we miss that tension, we miss a lot of the God that Jesus came to introduce to you and I, the God that Jesus came and embodied in the flesh. And so listen, again, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but when we are in this place of of talking about prayer, people have different responses, like big things, sure, life falling apart, prayers, sure, like be still and contemplate, yeah, that's probably good for your soul. Give thanks, yeah, that's, that's a good thing to do. Pray for others, absolutely, I've got your back if you were to ask me to do that but ask God for what I need or what I want? I don't know. And a lot of us get stuck in this space of asking prayer, like, does God really care? And and there's a good chance that you're on one side or the other. For some of us in the room, our our idea of God is that he He's so big, maybe even too big in our own mind, that that he's unknowable. He's he's impersonal. Like, he, he doesn't care. Like, Maybe I can go to God with the really, really big stuff, but anytime you pray, it's kind of like, hey God, I know you're probably busy, and it's been a minute since I reached out, and you're probably a little bit irritated with me, but hey, here's what's happening if you, if you got time. And for some of you in the room, God is, is, is too big and impersonal that, that when it comes to your relationship with prayer, it's kind of this desperation last act kind of a space. That it's not off the table completely because when you need a miracle, I mean, you're kind of out of options, but you're really not all that sure that God even likes you, so I'm not sure that I should ask him for anything. And then for some of us in the room, God is, is too small. Like, like, yeah, great, he, maybe he's a personal coach, or Jesus is our friend, and he's a buddy, or, you know, he's like the spiritual Alexa in your life, or like, you know, there's this placebo side of like following Jesus, or the idea of God making life better, but he's not actually big enough to do anything. So it's more like just this, you know, the, the spiritual version of a self-help book that you picked up at Barnes & Noble, 
But when it comes to actually moving things and the power of God and even the love of God, you're like, I don't know if that's actually a reality. And some of you, you're not followers of Jesus in the room, and so you're wrestling with like, who God is, does he even exist, does he care, is he big, is he too small, why doesn't he answer some of the things that people pray for, and why does he, you know, all, there's all these different questions that come to mind, but there's still a good chance that if you're not a follower of Jesus, whatever your idea of God that you're wrestling with, has still probably got one of the two extremes. And it's also possible that if you're like me, uh, on Tuesday, God is one version, and on Wednesday, he's another. And so whatever your space is, I just want to acknowledge the tension of when it comes to Jesus teaching us to pray, he's trying to get at the heart of a relationship that you and I, I think, sometimes struggle to embrace. And so I want you to know today that in this series, the goal is not to teach you to pray. The goal is to help you know the God that Jesus came to introduce the best part of following Jesus, we say this often, the best part of following Jesus is Jesus. It's the relationship and everything connected to that. And if we miss that in the invitation to pray, we miss a whole lot. And so I need you to get a framework today. I've given it to you uh, like, like two weeks ago, but I need you to get it again just to make sure you really understand it. And it's still here on the screen. So one second, we're gonna hang out right here. I want you to see the two parts of Jesus' prayer and how they hinge on one another to assist us in praying. And so this is not pray this every morning when you wake up kind of mindlessly and then God is answering your prayers. This is a, a structure, if you will, of how to talk to God and it's actually genius. Jesus says, pray like this. And the first half of the prayer hinges on your, your, your. It gets us into God's reality that we start with adoration and gratitude like Maddie talked about a couple of weeks ago. We start by being with God like we talk about often. Your name, your kingdom, your will be done. And so we start by getting God's reality into our hearts and minds, by giving our attention and our imagination to God because it shapes how we pray. And we talked about this often. We actually started this series with saying, hey, listen, the most important thing about you is what you think about God because whoever is on the other side of this prayer determines how you pray. If it's this grumpy, you know, Dumbledore version of God with a really long beard, R.I.P. Dumbledore, how sad, guys. This week, if you don't know, I'm sorry if I just broke the news to you. Ouch. All right, so, you know, if it's this like grumpy grandpa version that really doesn't have time for you, if that's the other side, if that's the face that you see when you're praying, it's going to influence your prayers. But if it's this loving father that Jesus came to introduce, it might change things. And so we learn in this space to pray according to God's reality rather than our circumstances. We're trying to get our attention on who God is and what he could be doing in our lives. It starts there, and then it hinges on this on earth as it is in heaven. There's an assumption here in Jesus' prayer that, that, that we want the reality of heaven to come to earth, that there are things on earth that are not exactly as they should be. Would you agree? Or there's, there's some jacked up, I mean, I mean, there's like obviously the big examples, the crazy brokenness in our world, and there's also just the very quiet dysfunction happening inside your mind throughout the week the lies that you believe and the mental health that you struggle with and the loneliness that is uh, pervasive across our community and the struggle around all of the different pieces of that we call normal life. And so there's this 
hinging phrase on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the point that Jesus teaches us to invite God's reality into our own. And I don't want you to miss it because there's an assumption that heaven is the source and earth is where life is happening. This is where the action happens and Jesus is saying, hey, let's move some things from heaven to earth. And so prayer in its simplest form is now give us, forgive us, and lead us. And there's a transition. And prayer in its simplest form is asking. It's asking. Let me show you uh, Luke's version of, of this same story. From, from, so we just read Matthew's. Luke is another Dr. Luke, incredible guy, an incredible account of the life of Jesus. Here's his version following what we just read. So Jesus had just given the teachers to pray. He just gave them the whole shebang we just read. And then Jesus follows it up with this story right after the hollow be your name, heaven to earth, daily bread stuff. You guys tracking with me? So this is the story that Jesus chooses to tell that Luke accounts right after the teach us to pray. Now check this out. This is interesting. Jesus could tell any story to help illustrate prayer. And this is the story he tells. He said to them, listen, which of you has a friend who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. Their flight was delayed. I had to pick them up from the airport, and everything was closed on the way home. Not even Taco Bell is open. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. 12, man, that's like closer to our 3 a.m. friends, right? We talk about that a lot here at City Church. You join a city group, cultivate some 3 a.m. friends. At midnight, you're knocking on the door, asking for some bologna because you ran out. Make a sandwich for your guests. Don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. That's not good. Just a heads up. That's, that's a cramped bed right there. But anyway, I understand why they don't want to move. I can't get up and give you anything. Then he goes on. I tell you, Jesus, as though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. I love this. Like, doesn't really care that you're his friend. <laughs> it's not really the motivation here. But because of his shameless audacity, he's going to rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, Jesus tells this story in illustration of prayer. And what I want you to see, like, is this really earthy, normal circumstance. And Jesus, I mean, that shameless audacity is from the NIV. I gave you that because the impudence is the word that ESV uses, which no one talks like that. Shameless audacity. That kind of sounds cool, right? Shameless audacity. Like, in some ways, that's a virtue you want to adopt. But that's not really the picture that I see here. I imagine the really annoying, just keep knocking until you answer the door. I really need bologna and mustard for the sandwiches that I'm trying to make for my guests, please and thank you. And I can't help but, but tell you this reality that I am this friend, okay? So Daniel and Michelle, two of our staff members, they live four doors down from us, and they thought that was a gift from God. What they didn't realize is that I also live four doors down from them, and I am, am an individual with shameless audacity, and there have been many occasions where my good friends, Daniel and Michelle, who I love dearly, who are on the payroll at City Church, do not get up and help me because they are my friend, but because of the shameless audacity of, man, make that guy go away. We should have never given him the, key, the, door, the door code to our front door. So this is the picture that Jesus chooses to tell the story in order to illustrate asking 
prayer, and we're going to look at the end of it because he follows, and then he goes on and says, so as a result of the story, ask, knock, pray for these things. Like, what, what kind of things are we talking about? According to Jesus, prayer is not that fancy. I want you to get this concept. It's in the ordinary language that Jesus invites us to talk to God. And I think that's intentional because it keeps us from separating God from real life. If you've ever been around someone, like you've been like around a fancy prayer person, someone who can really like pray with big words and you're like kind of eloquent and they don't talk like that anywhere else. What that does is it kind of moves God into this like realm of like out there-ness. Like, like God's over here so we gotta really gotta work hard to talk to him. But Jesus has given us this earthy picture of talking to God in ordinary language so we keep God in the realm of the ordinary. You don't have to dress it up to talk to God. And so here's the invitation. If I only pray for the massive stuff in my life, but I neglect to thank God for the dinner that I'm enjoying with my family, God is actually smaller for my efforts and I'm missing out on the relationship I'm invited into. You see, if you and I can only talk to God about objectively noble requests, that's what Tyler Staten calls it, you know, this, this really pious, like only ask God for the things that, you know, you just try to keep it in the realm of like, yeah, that's, that's a good God ask. If you and I only come to God with object, objectively noble requests, then we live a cramped and limited life separated from the God that Jesus came to introduce. What we're learning as a church family is to pray the Jesus way. The invitation from Jesus is not to believe a certain set of theological things and go to heaven when you die. The invitation from Jesus is to know God. In fact, Jesus' definition in John 15 of eternal life, this is what Daniel, uh, one of our staff members, he was doing a funeral over the weekend. And, and I gave him this verse and said, hey, use this. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Not that you go to heaven when you die, but that you might know God through the person of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship that Jesus describes. And as followers of Jesus, apprentices under Jesus, the invitation is to be with Jesus' relationship. Become like Jesus. We're learning to pray like him and do what he did to live the kind of life that Jesus wants to empower us in. So a couple of quick things on daily bread prayers. That's what we're talking about today. So from heaven to earth to daily bread. That's where we are in this series. And a couple of quick acknowledgements on daily bread prayers so that you and I get the scope of how we have permission and invitation to talk to God. And listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the cool thing is you're still invited to talk to God. Over and over again, as you read the stories of Jesus, Jesus would invite people to follow him, and they still were not completely sure who they thought he was. In fact, a couple times they got it wrong. And then they would re-believe and unbelieve and walk away and deny they ever even knew him, and they re-believe again. And so wherever you are, you're in a safe place with Jesus. Now, The first thing I want you to understand about daily bread prayers, the reason Jesus meets us in this earthy place is because daily bread prayers fight against control. This issue that all of us have, although some of us have it a little worse than others, right? Our ones and sixes on the Enneagram, there might be a little more in you, but all of us have it to a degree. See, all of us in the room, you want your life to matter. You you wanna make a difference. You want your life to count. And that's a good thing. That's a good motivation. I think God created you for, to have a life that matters. 
that the things that you do make a difference, that there's joy in the life that you live. But when we move the good desires that God has put inside of us into the arena of our own control, it's when you start to see people fall into exhaustion and depression. We talked about it over the summer, this space of languishing, this like this deep stuckness of the soul. And what happens is when you and I try to like white knuckle all the things in our lives, we begin to be exhausted because we can't. And so, right, the, the mentality, it's, it's like this. If I can only trust God with the big stuff, that's great. I just can't trust him with today. That's sometimes the assumption when we get stuck in the mentality of who we're talking to. So yeah, God, I'll talk to you about the big stuff, but I don't know that I can, I can trust you with my job or the bills that are due or my future career or my relationships or this tense moment with my mom or my dad or with my children or with the tension I have at work or with my mental health issues or with, the, with this addiction. Or, right? And we start to say, I, I, I can trust you with the big stuff, but I can't trust you with today. And you might not say that, that out loud, but the evidence of that theology is in how you and I live. And so the areas that I'm white-knuckling life, trying to keep it together, it's exhausting me. So what, what, is, what does Jesus do? He teaches us to pray, give us our daily bread. And it's a request for help to give us our daily bread. James, the brother of Jesus, said every good gift comes from God. Some of, us, some of us, we get stuck with like, I'm a self-made man or woman, and I worked hard for the bread that, I, you know, I brought home the bacon, or if I'm vegan, I brought home the tofu. And, and you know, I worked hard for that, and so why would, I, and why would I thank God for it? The breath in your lungs is a little harder to take credit for. The beat in your chest is a little easier to take for granted the giftings that you have been wired with that naturally allow you to show up at a job and enjoy it and make money, those are a little easier to claim as our own. But the request, give us our daily bread, is just an ask for help. It's an acknowledgement in the simplest form that I am not God and I am not actually in control. And that's actually a really, really good place to be. That we ask God for what we need and, and the best demonstration of that is because Jesus came and gave his life for us to give us access into right relationship with God, to meet our greatest, deepest spiritual need, and, and then we have access now to, the, to our Father in heaven and all of his resources. Both now, Jesus called it life to the full. And so he, uh, the first thing in asking prayer is prayer replaces control with trust. It's just a constant swap. And, and you can think that all day long, but if you'll practice it, listen, we become what we do. Our habits are forming us. So your theology, what's happening in your head, you know it is not enough to form the way that you live, the condition of your heart, the activity of your hands. It is the practice of giving thanks even when we don't want to. The practice of asking that reminds us we're not in control but God is, and I can move from control to trust. Now, it doesn't stop there because daily bread prayers also cultivate relationship. And this is the core. I don't, I don't want you to miss it. We already talked about it, but listen to Jesus' words right before uh, uh, the, the Our Father prayer. This is Matthew 6. So this is the very first passage we read. This is right before it. You can go look at it on your own during the week. So Jesus, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, 
They love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they might be seen by others. Kind of, you know, there was the, the fancy religious people of the day that liked to be seen for their spirituality. They pray really loud in the street corners for other people to see. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward. Right? They get accolades from people. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Notice the language that Jesus chooses. Pray to your Father. It's a relational term. Who is in secret? It's, it's, it's you two being alone. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus goes on. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, right? This is that fancy prayer effort, like you gotta have some spiritual language to talk to God. He's like, no, you don't, you don't need that. For they think that they're gonna be heard for their many words. This is like this eloquent effort of really trying to impress God with our prayers. That's not who he is. He doesn't need that. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him hold up. <laughs> You're telling me that God already knows what I need before I ask him, and I still got to ask? What's up with that, right? Like, like, that's how Jesus leads into, so pray like this. And I would have hit the pause button. I'm like, what, what, why? Why are we praying? <laughs> if he's good and he can do it, like, why not just, why not just do it? And over and over again, if you'll go read the scriptures for yourself, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus, we see that Jesus is presenting God as a relational God. Why ask it all? Because of the relationship. God wants you to ask because God is after relationship. And you and I both know that good relationships hinge on communication. The invitation is not just to have a genie that we go to to meet our requests and needs, is to have a relationship with the God who loves you and knows you. And one of the, one of the struggles here is that when we ask, maybe this is an internal struggle, it makes us vulnerable. Because we risk, when we ask God for help, we risk how he might respond, Right? What if he doesn't answer? Or what if he answers with a no? Or what if he doesn't answer like I think he's going to? There is risk involved in every relationship worth having, is there not? Every relationship that's significant in your life involves risk. And, so, and, and the good news is that unlike the, in, the, the, the broken relationships that you and I have with imperfect people, Jesus is inviting us to have a relationship with a perfect father who doesn't drop the ball. Now, here's though, we've been talking about this, and there's a ton of mystery to prayer, right? We already kind of acknowledged that at the beginning of the series. But we're just trying to take Jesus at his word, surface level. Now listen to this quote by Adam Statmiller. This is from a book that uh, I told you about a couple weeks ago called Praying for Your Elephants. But I just want you to check uh, kind of his, his summary here. When, when God answers your prayers in dramatic fashion, when I was in India, everything was dramatic, okay? And it was super cool. I was like, wow, this is amazing. You're going to grow in the knowledge of his power and his care for you. And I would say that's true. When God answers your prayer, there's many of you in the room, God has answered a prayer in a dramatic fashion and you're like, whoa, like that's God and he cares and you hear about prayers. When God works on his schedule instead of yours, hold up, that part I don't like as much. You're gonna come to know more about his sustaining power. You see the relational dynamics that Adam is getting at? And when God says no and your dreams die, or perhaps some tragedy happens in your life, which is important. Adam's not getting at, God's not orchestrating the tragedy, but, but let's just assume he at least allowed it. So when God says no, or your dreams die, or maybe some tragedy happens in your life, you will come to know the God of all comfort who weeps with you. If you want to know God as Father, 
begin to assault the throne of heaven in asking prayer. There is risk in relationship, but with God as our Father, there's really no risk at all. The tension is when God doesn't always answer our prayers as we would like, but he is good enough in those different circumstances to know what is good for you. We just sang a song. You make all things work together for my good. That's true. That's massively true. It doesn't always look like we think it should. But this is not just trying to figure out God of the universe. This is trying to cultivate relationship. And so Jesus tells us a story about a neighbor asking for some bread to illustrate the relational dynamic of prayer. Now, the last thing is that daily bread prayers cultivate empowerment. We talked about it two weeks ago that Jesus is not just into inviting us to pray, but, but he's looking to share heaven with us as part of his family. Matthew chapter seven. This is the follow-up to the story of the annoying neighbor knocking on the door till they got a loaf of bread. So Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus seems pretty confident that if you and I press into asking prayer, there are results. You see, relationship is where this, this prayer thing is going, but, but empowerment is part of the plan. James, the brother of Jesus, which I love James because he wasn't a follower. In fact, he, th- he thought Jesus was crazy. Tried to put him in a mental institution with the rest of his family. Watched his brother get crucified, died, buried, and then later would claim that he saw his resurrected brother alive from the grave. So went from denying Jesus to claiming that his brother is Lord. My brother is in the room today, and I've tried many times to convince him of that, and he is still not, not buying in to me as Lord. So, I don't know what it takes to convince your brother that you're God, but it's, it's a lot. Let, let it be known, right? And so James, the brother of Jesus, who has become convinced that Jesus is God, says in chapter 4, you don't have because you don't ask. There are things that you and I are not experiencing simply because we are not asking. So what, is, what does that mean? It means that there are things undone. There are things that will not happen if we don't ask. And there are things that will happen if we will simply ask. And so rather than talking about it for six weeks on a Sunday, we're going to get together in a 24-7 prayer room, and we're going to take an hour throughout a week to ask specifically in all kinds of different arenas. And I am confident that your life and my life and this church and this city and the West and the world will be different because we are going to ask for things that wouldn't have been asked for otherwise. Are you guys tracking with me? If we don't ask, there are things that will go undone. I have asked this question many times. How many things have not happened in my life simply because I did not ask? God, God is on the edge of his seat with a heart full of desire to give. And I just didn't ask. Look how Jesus ends it. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is Jesus' invitation to pray.
Listen, friends, the Bible is not a book for you to be inspired by the stories of others and how their prayers made a difference. The Bible is meant to be an invitation for you to know God in the very same way. When you pray, things happen. When you don't pray, things don't happen. Listen to Dallas Willard's quote here. God's response to our prayers is not a charade. And this might be some of the struggle in the room today. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he was going to do what he was going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. It makes prayer psychologically impossible Replacing it with this dead ritual at best, which is exactly how prayer has felt to many of you in the room. And of course, this is not the biblical idea of prayer, nor is it the idea of people for whom prayer is a vital part of life. God is relational. And through trusting in Jesus, We are adopted into the family of God, made right in a relationship with God and invited to share with God in bringing heaven to earth and asking for daily bread. God freely shares his power through relational lines. And so we say it over and over again, it's intimacy with Jesus before it's ministry for him. It's relationship that fuels everything else. And listen, there's a ton of mystery But I've heard it said uh, as of late that God is more friend than formula. And I love that and I hate that at the same time because a formula is a little easier to figure out, but a friend is someone I gotta get to know. And when it comes to prayer, God is more friend than formula. But don't miss it. God insists on sharing his power. He insists on miracles as much as he insists on daily bread. So, a revisit 24-7, the prayer room coming up. I don't want you to miss the vision behind becoming people of prayer. And as Paul comes to play for a second, I just want you to sit with me for a second in the invitation. It kicks off on 10-15. You're getting a card as you leave today. We're going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks. The link is live online. You can scan the QR code. But I want to encourage you today. Listen, if you're in the sound of my voice in person and online, Click the link and sign up for one hour of prayer for that week. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. I already told you that your group is going together. That doesn't count as your one hour, but plan on that as well. That'll be a really cool experience to pray together. Listen, if you have kids, I want to encourage you. If you have the option, if you, you know, you're not a single parent, then each of you sign up to go on your own. And then even sign up with your kids to go as a family to pray for one hour. And so already Danielle and I are looking at like four hours of time slots, maybe five hours that we're signing up for just as our family. And there's plenty of space for everyone. But I want to encourage you to go alone at least once, but also take your family if you have kids and and walk them through the same space. There's all these different stations. It's very interactive. You're graffitiing on the wall, writing prayer requests there. You're holding some Play-Doh and and talking to God about having a soft heart. You're taking communion. There's all these different things that you're engaging with in an hour. And so it's not get your kids to sit still for an hour, okay? 
but also you can sign up with a friend. Just one other doesn't really matter when you go in to sign up, put your name, invite a friend. It doesn't really matter how you do it, but you sign up with a friend. Again, that paper, that QR, card, QR code is how you sign up. But listen, I, I want to encourage you with this. Th those nighttime slots, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all, all of those hours, they're going to be awesome. And the stories throughout the week are going to be incredible. But we want to encourage you, if you sign up for one of those time slots, I want you to think about it now. If you sign up for any time slot during the darker hours, we just want you to be careful. Be mindful of your surroundings when you get to the building. Be mindful that the door locks behind you. Or if you're not comfortable coming by yourself at, at a late hour, then please come with somebody. And again, there'll be somebody before you at that hour, someone after you at that hour. We want you to be safe during the process, just given the nature of, of where we live and some of the homeless traffic and the vandalism that happens. We had someone break a window earlier this week on the backside of our building, stuff like that. So we want you to be careful and think through it as you sign up. But we don't want you to stop or not sign up. If you're just not comfortable with the dark, dark hours of, of the night, then sign up anytime during the day when the sun is out. <laughs> That's totally fine. But I want to encourage you, before the day is over, sign up for the prayer room. And let's see momentum begin to build around the excitement of what will be different because of a 168 hours where our church commits to pray together. Now, practices, the, this, the space that we're in, these practices that we do as a church, they are worked out in community. So when we gather like this, teaching is aimed at our hearts and our minds to give us a new vision of reality so we can start to walk into them. But then we have a heavy focus on practice that we do something to begin to form us as a result of what God is doing in our hearts and minds. And so the practices that we have, they are worked out in community. And city groups have a primary focus around practice. So when we gather as a city group, the goal is not information as much as it is transformation. And so if you're in a city group, I want you to lean in and to press in that when you show up and you're, when you're honest and when you're vulnerable, God uses that place and that space. If you're not in a group, I want to encourage you to join a city group. And let me give you this. We have a lot of new people that are joining groups and we have a deficit of people that are starting groups. And so we need people who have a desire to help start new groups to provide that space. And many of you, you're in groups and it's comfortable and you love the people that you're with. I want you to know that for some of you in the room, God's gonna put it on your heart, this posture of a leader, that there's something in you that is willing to step out and step away from comfort, step away from what you love, the people that you love, in order to provide space for other people to experience the same thing that you have had. Leaders often step out or they'll step up in order, in order for other people to step in. And for some of you, that is your calling. But we've said it many times, there is no community without commitment and consistency. And so I want to encourage you, as we start in your groups, God might put it on some of your hearts to be a part of starting your groups. If you're interested in that, we would encourage you to let us know on that connection card or to reach out via email. If you're not in a group, you can simply sign up on your connection card. You can go on our website. But a lot of these practices are worked out in community. Now, next steps for today, and then we're going to sing. As you and I reflect and respond, number one, I already gave it to you, but I'm pounding it today. Sign up <laughs> for at least one hour. You guys got that? Everybody really clear on that? Okay, it's going to be awesome. I've never done anything like this in my entire life, and I'm confident that God is going to use it in huge ways. And number two, practice gratitude at mealtimes this week. Now, this is, this is interesting, okay? I, I didn't grow up in church, um, and, I, and I've been exposed a few times to like the I don't know if you got your family members that always want to pray before mealtime. You know what I'm talking about? 
Uh, um, and then you got some of those family members that want to pray extra long, and you're like, bro, the taters are getting cold. Like, not cool. Okay, so, so I've always had kind of this, like, aversion to prayers at mealtime. Not because I'm not grateful, but, like, I just don't know. It always felt like we were maybe trying to impress God before mealtime, or the prayers were shallow. I don't know. It's just me. This is just my personal inside issues, okay? Um, but then lately, Danielle brought it up. She's like, hey, so every evening at, 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 at dinner with our, with our kids, we get together at the table, and we always ask the question, hey, what are you grateful for today? And we just give them opportunity to express gratitude. And Danielle brought it up a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. She's like, hey, we should, we should start, like, when we, when we get together as a family, we should pray and just thank God for the day and the meal before we do that so we can teach our kids to express gratitude to God and his love for us. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I like it, but I'll do it because you said so. And what I'm finding is that there's actually, like, like get rid of all the other extra stuff. The space of gratitude is actually a really good space for my heart and for our family's heart. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be really earthy. God, God, you're good. Thank you for this food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is. But the genuine space is cultivating gratitude. Now, here's what I want you to do, even if you don't do that practice this week. Practice gratitude at mealtimes. Just, it can be under your breath. God, thank you for this food. And then dive in. Whatever. Pray with people. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how you do it. And then as a way of thanking him for the ways he's already met your needs, okay? So you remember that surrendering control thing we talked about earlier? So just take a moment. God, thank you for this delicious Chick-fil-A sandwich that you can't get on Sundays. Then take that same moment, here's the practice, to think about what's coming up next and ask him for what you might need. That's a daily bread prayer. You guys with me? It's just moving it into that simple space. God, thank you for this. And God, I'm pretty stressed about the meeting I'm about to walk into. Would you help me? God, thank you for this food. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my family. God, would you help me pass my test coming up on Friday? Right, it's the daily bread stuff. God, thank you for this food. Would you help me to figure out when the right time is to reach out to my brother this week so I can check in on him because I'm, I'm, I'm worried about him. God, thank you for this food, and man, my, my, my day feels really, really full, and I know I need a reset. Would you help me to, to figure out when to do that? God, thank you for this food, and I am really stressed about paying rent this month. Would you help me make a way? You, you guys see, the, see how it works? In the space of thinking, you have three meals a day, even if it's a granola bar. God, thank you for this food. And then just in that moment, what's a daily prayer you can attach to it? And just learn to talk to God, your Father, who loves you and cares. And what you're going to find is the more you do this, the more you talk to God. And you're going to watch asking prayer become not something that you do, but a part of who you are. So I pray for you. Will you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Just take a moment to, to center yourself. Be present to the moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you to take the rest of our time like you've been taking the time prior here. And to accomplish what it is that you want to do in our hearts today. God, some of us have daily bread prayers on our hearts, the very simple things that we don't even know we can bring to you. Will we have the courage to just do that today? Whether it's in our seats or we go to the prayer team in the back, will we bring our daily bread prayers to you?
God, some of us, we have uh, um, huge things going on that, that it feels like a heaven-to-earth prayer. Like, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I need you to do it prayers. Lord, we have the boldness to ask today because of who you are. Whether it's sitting in our seat or going back and praying with others in the back. What do we ask today? For some of my friends in the room, um, there's a good chance that, that as they've been wrestling with the idea of prayer and a relationship with you, that some of them have never taken a step to respond to the invitation of Jesus. And so, Father, right now, I pray for my friends in the room who don't have a, a relationship with you yet. That prayer is not something we do to get you to like us. It doesn't make us a little closer to heaven in the sense of our good outweighing our bad. Prayer is an invitation first into relationship, and that relationship is not available outside of Jesus, what you have done for us. So for my friends in the room who have not trusted in you, would today they recognize how much you love them. That all of the brokenness, all of the dysfunction, all of what you would call sin, those things inside of us, that effort of holding on to control of white-knuckling life and things falling apart, of doing things our way instead of your way, of trusting in ourselves instead of you, that thing is what has broken our relationship with you. And it's broken relationships with others. It's broken just ourselves internally. And Jesus, you stepped out of heaven. You came to earth and you lived a perfect life like none of us in the room could ever live. But you didn't stop there. You didn't come just to be an example. You came to be a sacrifice, demonstrating the love of God. You died on the cross for our sin. Every part of our brokenness, everything that's ever happened to us, everything we've thought or done in the secret, out in the open, you died for it all to make a way to forgive it all. And when you were buried, all hope was lost. And three days later, you rose from the grave, proving that you were who you said you were, that you had power over sin, power over death, the ability to give us new life and to offer all of us forgiveness. And Jesus, you told us that anyone who trusts in you and that good news not just a mental ascent, but placing weight behind the fact that you died for us to forgive us and give us new life. When we trust what you did for us, you give us new life. You adopt us into the family of God. We go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. We have access to the Father. We have completely new life, both now and forever. And there are some of my friends in the room who have not experienced that, and today is the day for them to do it. And would it not be my words that move them toward your heart? Would it be the overwhelming demonstration of your love for them? That before they ever did anything, good or bad, you died for them. And you love them. And you want to walk in this life with them. You've got good plans for them. And so today I pray that if they are in that space and you're pulling on their heart, they would make a decision today to follow you their life would never be the same. For the rest of us in the room, God, would you stir our hearts in asking prayer? Would things be completely different because we begin to ask for things that we've never asked for before? And will we learn more and more your love for us? It's in Jesus' name.